Welcome to the Stand By My Servants podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree, professor of church history and doctrine at Brigham Young University, explores the lives and teachings of the members of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. As we examine the lives and teachings of these leaders, our lives can be edified, enriched, and spiritually strengthened. Now here is your host, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree. Well, I am so happy to be here today. It's going to be awesome because not only are we going to review General Conference, but some of my grandchildren are here with me today, and I love my grandkids, and I love that they watch Conference. In fact, I'm here with Addie right now, and Addie, I'm going to ask you, what's something about General Conference that you really liked, or a talk that you remember? What would you like? Um, I really liked Elder Gon's talk about um, how like you like how you your family members love you and like that talk was good. Oh, Elder Gong's talk was so good. It talked about peace and loving your family. Anything else you remember? You told me a minute ago that you loved something President Nelson said. Oh yeah, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but like pronounce it and let's just see how it goes. <laughs> um, to be. Um, Think to think to think celestial. You nailed it. <laughs> to think celestial. That is such a great idea, Addie. Thank you so much. And now I have my grandson Luke here today. Luke, any takeaways from General Conference for you? Um, I thought I thought Elder Gong's talk was really cool about um, about your family being like a backboard for you and um, kind of being your support system and. Um, uh, to be the uplifting member in your family, uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, I also liked, I also like uh, Uthor's talk about about the prodigal son. I thought, uh, I thought it was just a good, very talk. insightful, wasn't it? Yeah. To, to to talk about that in a way that he talked about both sons, right? Yeah, and, he gave the point of view from both sons, and I think that was cool. Um, also the things celestially that Russell Nelson gave. Uh, He's kind of saying that, like, he's kind of saying, like, always think about what you're doing and how it'll affect you later, and it's probably not worth it to make a choice that seems good now, but that will end up, like, it'll end up not not being good in the after term. Yeah, it was a really good uh, conference, but those out of all of them were probably my favorites that stood out. That's so great, Luke. Good to hear from you, brother. And now I'm with my grandson, Cannon, who has always had some great answers. Kenna, what's something that you learned in conference? Think celestial. Oh, I like that. And tell me what that means. What is that? It means thinking about heaven instead of making bad choices. Oh, I love that. Such a great answer. Thank you so much, Cannon. And now I'm with John. And John, I'm so glad you're joining me on this podcast today. So a question for you, John. What's something that you learned in general conference? There was a Hawaiian goal and a whole there was a Japan going a Hawaiian guy, and there was a um, a wool, and then it, the wool stopped, and then the her, uh, um the Japan pango um lived in um went to Hawaii and lived in in a cave, and she lived off honey and uh, the level. Oh my gosh, I love that story. Because remember, it talked it talked about how these Japanese people then came to the to the Hawaii temple, and the Hawaiian people just loved them and took care of them. Isn't that cool? 
I love that. Such a good story. Now I am here with my granddaughter, Leah, which who is going to actually be baptized at the end of this week. And Leah, we're excited for you. What's something that you learned in general conference? Um, I learned um, someone told a talk about the two prodigal sons and how, um, how they celebrate him for like coming back and remembering that it's okay to come back and um because they'll always forgive them like yes. god would leah that is so awesome why do you love that story so much because it teaches that families can be together no matter what and that nothing is in the way of family life Oh, Leah, I am so proud of you. That's such a great answer. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us. That was so wonderful to have my uh, grandchildren on there for a few minutes. Thank you for uh, listening to that. But now let's transition here just for a second as we set the tone for how we study and prepare for general conference messages. So to set the tone for our episode today, let me start with a statement from President Harold B. Lee. He once said that the only safety we have as members of this church is to do exactly what the Lord said to the church in that day when the church was organized. Now he's quoting, he's referring to Doctrine and Covenant section 21 verses 4, 5, and 6. And then President Lee said, we must learn to give heed to the words and commandments that the Lord shall give through his prophet. I thought it was interesting that presently use the word exact. And I think that's what I'd like to build on just for a moment. Before I do anything else, I just, I now I feel like I really need to quote that scripture in Doctrine and Covenant section 21. So Doctrine and Covenant section 20 and 21 are two revelations that were given on the day that the church was organized on April the 6th, 1830. And in section 21, verse 4, it says, Wherefore, meaning the church... Thou shalt give heed unto all his words and commandments, which he shall give unto you as he receiveth them, walking in all holiness before me. Now, just to clarify, first of all, it says, Wherefore, meaning the church, thou shalt give heed unto all of his... We, as church members, should give heed unto all of his words. Whose words? The words and counsel of Joseph Smith, the prophet. How many of his words? It says, all of his words. That he shall give. Now, verse 5, another key doctrine. For his word ye shall receive as if from mine own mouth, in all patience and faith. Once again, interesting that the words patience and faith are used, meaning not everything that we hear from a living prophet may resonate with some of us immediately. We may have to go to work on some of those things. Then, verse 6, the incredible promise for by doing these things, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Yea, and the Lord God will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good. Now, once again, think of the promises there. There are always promises associated with following prophets, and those promises are incredible. The promise here is that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, that the Lord God will disperse the powers of darkness from before us, And he will cause the heavens to shake for our good. 
I will take those powerful promises. I will take them. I will take them for myself and for my family because I trust in those promises. Now, here's the other uh, reference I wanted to share with you as we talk about following the prophet with exactness. This is Doctrine and Covenants section 101. This would be one of the rare parables in the Doctrine and Covenants. In verse 44, a certain nobleman had a spot of land, very choice, and he said unto his servants, Go ye into my vineyard, even upon this very choice piece of land, and plant twelve olive trees. And this is really interesting, and there's some great symbolism here. We can obviously think of the nobleman as the prophet. We are his servants. The vineyard is this earth, and now plant some olive trees. Olive trees not only represent peace, but they also represent Christ. And then set a watchman. So let's let's also order, if we can, the directives that are given. Number one, go to the vineyard and plant 12 olive trees. Number two is going to be found, found in verse 45. And set watchmen round about them. All right, that's directive number two. And three, build a tower. And build a tower that one may overlook the land round about and to be watchmen upon the tower, that mine olive trees may not be broken down when the enemy shall come to spoil and take upon themselves the fruit of my vineyard. All right, so there's the directives. Number one, let's plant the trees. Number two, let's set watchmen round about. Number three, let's build a tower so that number four, we can watch out for the enemy so that when they come, we can protect these olive trees. Now verse 46. Now the servants of the nobleman went and did as their Lord commanded them, and planted the olive trees, and built a hedge round about. Now the hedge round about, it didn't seem like that was even one of the directives. They're going the extra mile there. And they set out watchmen, and they set out to begin the, to build a tower. So, so far, so good. They're doing everything the Lord asked of them, and even more. Or in our metaphor, what the prophet asked of them, and even more. But while they were laying the foundation, it says, they begin to say among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower? In other words, why do we need this tower in the first place? And they consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing that it's a time of peace? Now, there's some great, there's some great ideas here for us to think about. You know, when the people say, why do we even need, need this tower? We're in a time of peace. Certainly one of the implications here is the prophet and, of course, the Lord can see things that we do not see. To quote that great talk from Sherry Dew, that prophets see around the corners, or around corners anyway. And so no, people are kind of wondering and questioning why we need this tower. In verse 49, in fact, might this money be given to the exchangers? Or in other words, I'm sure we could use the money for this tower in some other way. Now, while they were at variance with one another, and this is a great key, while they're arguing or contending with each other, and I think that's important because it shows us that there are those who wanted to build the tower or to follow the prophet or to follow Christ. And there were those who didn't. And that's why they're at variance with each other. But then they become slothful and they hearken not to the commandment or the directive of their Lord, or in our case, the prophet. And then in verse 51, the enemy does come by night does break down the hedge, and the servants of the nobleman were afraid and fled. So those those servants, those watchmen, didn't turn out to be 
super incredible. And then the enemy destroyed their works and broke down those olive trees. Now, this parable goes on for another 10 or 20 verses or so. It goes all the way to verse 64. But this is a great lesson. There are great messages in here, in my mind, about following prophets. And one of those lessons is the idea that when the prophet shares something with us, when prophets, seers, and revelators teach us, we're going to try to obey with exactness. Now, once again, I would say it this way. Because I would not want everyone to feel like, or anyone to feel like, that when you hear a general conference, that the expectation is that you will do every single thing that you hear. That would take a lifetime to try to implement all all of their suggestions in a general conference. But certainly we could take a couple of things away. For sure we could take two or three things that we could probably work on for the next six months, but to work on them, as President Nelson would teach us, with precision, with exactness. So now I am so grateful to be here with my wife, Janie. Thank you, Janie, for being willing to do this. I know you're super excited. <laughs> I am. I love General Conference. <laughs> I know you do. You're awesome. You're an awesome General Conference person. So so on Saturday morning, the lineup looked like this. We had Elder Bednar that kicked it off uh, with his message, and then Sister Amy Wright, Elder Robert M. Danes, Elder Godoy, Elder Christofferson, Elder Arden, and then President Oaks all spoke. And once again, we, we're we not going to sit here and try to review every one of those talks. That would take a long time. But just, Janie, if there's anything that stuck out, what did you feel for, on that Saturday morning session? You know what? I felt like that Saturday morning session was incredible. I, I walked mm-hmm. away thinking, wow, they every one of those speakers hit a home run. <laughs> right, yes. And I I had prayer, my own personal, you know, prayers answered, some revelation answered with each of these speakers. And I thought, I honestly thought they were amazing. But right. if you're asking me to talk about one, yes. I think that I would really, it's, it's really hard because honestly, I could talk about every one of them and I'm excited to study each one of these talks. But I'd have to go with Elder Oaks. I thought his talk called Kingdom's Glory was incredible. And it was kind of, he talked about that in the last couple conferences too. But so it was he, kind of a continuation, I think, of that talk. Yeah, right? he really built off what he had talked about more in depth this time than he had last time. And I love the plan of salvation. I've always loved studying about that. And I just think he spelled it out so clearly that the gospel of Jesus Christ plan is that shows us how to become what our heavenly father desires us to become and i think that's what his talk was about and and i loved he talked about eight you know agency that we have our agency in this life this life is the time for men to repair to me god and we we decide where we're going to live, with whom and when and all that kind of thing. And <laughs> what kingdom, yeah. What, we, what kingdom. We'll abide the glory of, of what, we're, what we've prepared ourselves for, right? Right. And I love how just lovingly he speaks about it, that there is a kingdom for everyone besides a few handful of like crazy, like probably really satanic <laughs> sons of perdition. But other than that, there's a kingdom of glory for everyone and that it's going to be beyond anything that we've ever imagined. So the celestial people will think that it's heaven to them. The terrestrial people, you know, it'll be heaven to them and the celestial people will be heaven to them. And, and I just love that, that he talked a lot about agency and becoming and that we get to choose and heavenly father's not going to force us to do anything that's we're uncomfortable with. (laughs) Right. I thought that was a great message. Anyway, 
And I just love how he really talks about how a loving, we have a loving heavenly father who will see that we receive every blessing and every advantage that our own desires and choices allow. Mm. And so again, I think we're going to all be hugely blessed according to our, our choices here on earth and the way that we have lived. Yeah. So what about you, Mark? What was your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like you. I mean, obviously it's hard to, it's hard to choose. Okay. What's your favorite? But if I could review one that really stuck out to me, it was Elder Bednar's. You know, he, he started off the conference. He was the first speaker and I do think he hit a home run. I thought his talk was a little bit different than other messages that we've heard from Elder Bednar. It was, he definitely shared some stories and some very personal feelings and, but this whole idea of to them of the last wagon, you know, building on the great uh, talk of uh, President J. Reuben Clark from many years ago, talking about those last wagons in the wagon train that were just eating and gulping all the dust from the other wagons, and really kind of a message about the rank and file of the church, uh, many members who aren't going to be on the nightly news, uh, people, though, who are faithful and keep covenants, and uh, who serve behind the scenes in so many significant ways. And I love that Elder Bednar said this, they of the last wagon, all who are no less serviceable, and you who today are pressing forward in the path of your duty are the strength of the Savior's church. I just think that's such a great idea and a core principle there that that the, the church lies on the backs of these faithful Many in the case, many you know, unknown members of the church that are just pulling in the harness and doing their duty. What a great message! So the Saturday afternoon session was also really awesome. Saturday is always the best, right? I know Saturday is, is incredible. <laughs> Another great lineup was Elder Anderson talking about opening the windows of heaven. Brother Newman or Elder Newman preserving the voice of the covenant people in the rising generation. Elder Costa. The power of Jesus Christ in our lives every day. Elder Stevenson, promptings of the Spirit. Mm. It's fun to re-hear all these and think about everything we learned. Right, these are good prompts. <laughs> Elder Phillips, God knows and loves you. Elder Choi, do you want to be happy? And then finishing off with Elder Rasband, how great shall be your joy? And so you asked me just to comment on one of them, which again is super hard, but... Yeah. Guess I'll have to go with just Elder Anderson because as he was talking about tithing, I just have such a great testimony of tithing that I, as he spoke, I was really just thinking about all the blessings that we've received through tithing and what a blessing it is to pay it and how we wouldn't dare not pay it because we've seen literally so many blessings, the windows have opened in our life. Yeah. And I think the main takeaway is that tithing is a matter of faith. It's not a matter of money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's you know, something that we all can all remember. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Well, well, th- there were like three talks that mentioned, you know, that discussed tithing. You oh, know, three yeah. of our there leaders really talked about tithing. And I thought that was, that was really interesting to think about, okay, what's the message there? But you're right, Janie, to talk about one of those talks uh, is really hard. You know, Elder Stevenson's about staying in holy places and be around holy people. I thought that was such a great a message, uh, you know, to consider. But I think the one that struck me the most was Elder Rasband's How Great Will Be Your Joy as he talked about the need for gathering Israel, but specifically couple missionaries, senior couples to serve missions. And the opportunities he talked about are so vast. There's so many things that uh, couples, you know, that couples can do these days. He said that many couples who have served missions have described growing closer to the Lord and closer to one another, feeling the Spirit of the Lord pour down upon them 
and knowing that they are making a difference. And he also said, because he was speaking to the idea that so many feel like, oh, we can't go, we can't leave our kids, we can't leave our grandkids. And he said, dedicated service to Jesus Christ will inspire and bless one's family, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And he said, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to serve as a missionary and the gathering of Israel and perhaps even serve again, which is another you know, incredible message of we're not even asking you to just to go, just to go once. We want you to come home, take a rest, <laughs> and then go back again. But I think what really struck me, and Elder Rasban was so emotional when he talked about this, was he told the story of being involved in those missionary calls and that there was a need for 300 missionary couples and they only had 10 in the pool to draw from. And it just showed that incredible need for our couples, our older couples, to be out there in the mission field and making a difference. Yeah, our kids always say that. Our kids that have served love those senior missionaries, and without them, they cannot function. They cannot run their missions. It's, yeah. They're just such a blessing. Oh, yeah. Fact, Can't we, wait to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm excited to go with you. We had a girl in our class today who said that uh, right after that talk, she called every senior missionary in her mission that she had served with just to tell them thank you and wanted them to know the difference they had made in her life. Mm, I love that. So then we came to Saturday evening, and these Saturday evening sessions are getting a little bit shorter. For the last couple of times, we've had about four speakers. I don't think anyone's complaining too much, but we started with Elder Sabin, Hallmarks of Happiness, Elder Coach, Humble to Accept and Follow, uh, Sister Runia, Seeing God's Family Through the Overview Lens, and Elder Suarez, brothers and sisters in Christ. Janie, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say you loved every one of those. But if there's <laughs> one you could just share something from, what would you? which one would you share from? Um, I think Sister Runez really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the quotes she said is, Families are a, God, are a God-given laboratory where we're figuring things out. So missteps and miscalculations are not just possible, but probable. <laughs> we're all yeah. we're all flawed human beings, right? Yeah. But I love how she goes on to talk about just some great things that we need to back up, see the overview, see the whole family, see our you know eternal perspective in our families, that we need to be cheerleaders for each other. We need to cheer each other on. We need to share positive things and say positive things to our children and grandchildren whenever we see them and build them up and... Yeah, and hopefully we'll all go back to the Celestial Kingdom together. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that as we talked about that, her talk before, you told me how much you loved, how passionate she was, how much she used her hands. And I heard you or one of our daughters say that you felt like she was just being very real. Yeah, I thought she was super cute and great, and I loved her perspective Yeah, so on the family. Well, her talk was an answer to one of my prayers as well, so I'm, I was grateful for that talk for sure. The, the one I would bring up is, what once again, the opening uh, message from that session of conference was Elder Sabin's. And I just have always loved Elder Sabin. I think he's this is only his second time to speak in conference. And I noticed that he's 69 years old, so that may have been his last talk. But the first talk he gave was so awesome. He just has a great delivery and a, a wonderful way of expressing himself. But, you know, he talked about this, this, great, this great message of uh, living these gospel principles and finding happiness in our lives. And one of the things he said that I'll remember is that uh, he said that we should maintain an eternal perspective and that seeing life from an eternal vantage point provides clarity, comfort, courage, and hope. And then how about this? It's one of his other principles was that we will never be happier than we are grateful. 
that gratitude gives birth to a multitude of other virtues. Now, part of the context of that for me, and I think it's for, we can use this principle for all of those who speak to us, is when we know just a little bit more about their lives, their messages become very potent, I think, in our own lives. For example, as Elder Sabin, Sabin is talking about happiness and gratitude, what a lot of people may not know is that he and his wife had six children. One was stillborn. Uh, that of the remaining children, that three have suffered from cystic fibrosis. One of those died of the disease. Uh, they even formed a, a, a Sabin Children's Foundation dedicated to help children with cystic fibrosis. In fact, I read a great story that was printed in the Ensign years ago about his daughter receiving a lung transplant. But when you think of what the Sabins have been through and for him to be able to talk with authenticity about happiness and joy and gratitude and perspective, I just, that talk really resonated with me. Yeah, that was a really powerful talk. I love that. Um, okay, moving into Sunday morning again, a whole power packed. <laughs> power packed. Right? We had President um, Ballard talking about the Prophet Joseph Smith. We had President Freeman talking about walking the covenant relationship with Christ. Elder Perello talking about bearing witness of Jesus Christ in word and in actions. Elder Uchtdorf, the prodigal, prodigal son and the road that leads home. Another great talk. Elder Cook being peaceable followers of Christ. Bishop Waddell, more than a hero. And then wrapping it up with President Eyring, our constant companion was the title of his talk. And again, so hard to pick. Every one of them was great. How do you pick one of those, right? Yeah, but I guess like, I'm just going to have to go with Elder Ballard. I loved his sweet talk. You know, he talked about how his eyesight is so bad and he can't see the teleprompter. So he just poured out his heart and his testimony. And I think that's why I really loved it. Right. I love that he just bore his testimony for several minutes on the Prophet Joseph Smith and just how pure it was and how cool just to not be reading off a teleprompter mm -hmm. that he just spoke to us. But I loved what he said. He said, we are so blessed to have what we have and to know what we have, to know that we, that Joseph Smith actually saw the father and the son. And that because of that, we have our, the church today, we have the book of Mormon. We have a purpose for our life. We know the great plan. And I love how he said, my testimony is simple, deep, but full of love for the prophet Joseph Smith. And I love that. I like, if, mm. boy, if we all had a simple, deep and abounding love for the prophet Joseph Smith, you know, wow, it'd be awesome. So that really just hit me. I love that talk. I love it too. And I think we can't, we can't get enough talks these days of Joseph Smith and the restoration. And I thought that was wonderful. You know, I could choose several of those. I loved how Emily Bell Freeman likened covenants to not a contract, but a relationship. I thought that was such a great, a great insight. And President Udorf's talk on the prodigal son was, was also very insightful. But I'm going to go with, with Bishop Waddell. He's kind of a favorite of ours just because he was a mission president of one of our children. And, and uh, we have a great respect and love for him for what he did for her. But, but uh, the message was more than a hero. And I love what he talked about, that, that we do admire and respect bloggers, influencers, athletes, musicians, we could say celebrities, but that's not always a good thing, right? And he talked about how this could be the equivalent of the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf in the desert. And I just liked how he identified that and talked about that we really ought to be careful where we're seeking 
our sources of truth. And he talked about Christ is, uh, is the supreme, his atonement is the supreme heroic act in all of creation. I just thought that was so, so uh, powerful the way that he said that. And so anyway, I look forward to reading that talk and gaining more from it uh, as I'm able to, to uh, go into more depth with it. But what a great message from Bishop Waddell. So our last session, Sunday afternoon, <laughs> yes, was again... By the way, that came really fast, didn't it? It went. Those two days went by so fast. But another home run. Wow, great talks. Um, kicking it off with Elder Renlund on Jesus Christ is the Treasure, telling mm. the story about King Tut and how the treasure was right underneath them. And I thought right. that was a great, great talk. Elder John Pingree Jr. about eternal truth. In fact, I love this this statement he made where he said that Truth taught without love doesn't work, and love without truth is hollow. I thought that was so profound. That was great. Great thought. Elder Cordon, Cordon uh-huh. <laughs> on divine parenting lessons, which it was actually a really great, a great talk from on the parenting. the scriptures, you know, yeah. that was great. Talking about a higher and holier way to parent. That was a great one. Elder Chemo Esplin. The Savior's healing power upon the Isles of the Sea and the great story about the woman who lived in the cave and one of our favorite places, Laie, Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> well, just um, that great that great uh, connection there between the Japanese saints and the Hawaiian saints and how they came to love each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Powerful it was a great talk. message. Elder Gong on Love is Spoken Here, great counsel about the words that we say and the way that we talk to each other. And then the... Huge climax was Elder President, sorry, not Elder, <laughs> President Russell M. Nelson on Think Celestial. Probably a talk that we will not forget for a long time. And 20 new temples announced, so great talk. Yeah, I love President Nelson's uh, message. In fact, I we asked, we talked to our daughter who went to the opening session of conference in the conference center and asked her, hey, how great, I'm sure it was great. And she said it was, it was great. But without President Nelson in that middle chair, you know, you could tell something was missing. And it was kind of like all of a sudden when he appeared on that screen, it was like, okay. We were all rejuvenated. Yeah, it was like, here we go. And President Nelson is just, you know, I'm just going to say it, but his talks that he's given as the president of the church, everyone is like a masterpiece, you know, including this one. And uh, I know that uh, this had a huge impact on many people, this idea of, of thinking celestial. I think the one that really resonated with me is he talked about addictions. In fact, he said this, he says, as you think celestial, you will find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of our agency. Any addiction, be it gaming, gambling, debt, drugs, alcohol, anger, pornography, sex, or even food offends God. Why? Because your obsession becomes your God. You look to it rather than to look to him for solace. I just thought that was such a powerful idea, and it really uh, had me thinking about those addictions, even our own addictions, so to speak. I think everyone has something, and uh, how those addictions are replacing our connection and our relationship to our Heavenly Father. I just hadn't thought about it like that. I also like this line that he shared. He said, there is no end to the adversary's deceptions, and please be prepared. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. And he said the idea that we should eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die is the most absurd lie in the universe. I just love that our prophet stands for truth, that he's bold, and he says it in such a kind, 
loving way, but he speaks the truth. And it really affected me. And I know it affected a lot of people. Right. And the biggest takeaway that I think none of us will ever forget from this talk is he asked us all to be, to think celestial. Right. And, and right then when he said that, I'm like, oh, that's going to be on memes everywhere <laughs> for the next six months. Right. But I loved it. And the way that he described it is we, to kind of have that eternal perspective of everything that goes on in our life. So we view trials. If we view trials through celestial, a celestial view. A celestial lens, yeah. Yeah, that we can get through those better as we keep our eye and focus on the Savior. When we make choices, when we, you know, as we, if we think celestially, our choices will be better. If we put Christ first in everything we do, that's thinking celestially. And he said, do the spiritual work to increase your capacity to receive a revelation. Because again, that helps us with, helps us think spiritually. And thinking celestially, he said, will help build faith as does living a virtuous life and spending time in the temple and other righteous places. And so mm. I just love that. And I think that's going to be different for each one of us is how we think celestially going forward. How we apply that, right? How we apply that and what that means in our own life. But I think that was super profound. I can't wait to study and ponder on that. Yeah. I think, what a great message for a prophet. Janie, thank you so much for helping me review this conference. We're going to do it again, right? <laughs> Six months. Okay. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate that opportunity to review the General Conference and of October of 2023. What a wonderful, wonderful conference it was. Now, just a few follow-up thoughts here. First of all, here's Elder Bruce R. McConkie. He said, the great test that confronts us, as in every age when the Lord has a people on earth, is whether we will give heed to the words of his living oracles and follow their counsel and direction that they give for our day and for our time. Yes, that is the great test. Are we going to follow them? Or in other words, do we come out of this general conference and think, you know what, that was such a great conference, wonderful messages, and then never ever think another thing about it? Or do we sit down with a three by five card with our journal and with a plan of how we're going to implement some of these messages that we've heard? Now, let me give you an example of, of that kind of implementation. A few years ago, I heard a talk that really had an impact on me. The talk was called Trusting God, Then Go and Do. It was the October of 2010 General Conference, where President Irene said this, I trust his apostles and prophets today and those they call to serve God. That trust has blessed my life and the lives of our, my family. Years ago, I heard President Ezra Taft Benson speak in a conference like this. He counseled us to do all that we could to get out of debt and stay out. He mentioned mortgages on our houses. He said that it might not be possible, but it would be best if we could pay off our mortgage debt. I turned to my wife after the meeting and asked, do you think there's any way we could do that? At first we couldn't. And then my evening, I thought of a property we had acquired in another state. For years, we had tried to sell it without success. But because we trusted God in a few words from the midst of his servant's message, we placed a phone call Monday morning to the man in San Francisco who had our property listed to sell. I had called him a few weeks before and he had said then, we haven't had anyone show interest in your property for years. But on the Monday after conference, I heard an answer that to this day strengthens my trust in God and his servants. The man on the phone said, I am surprised by your call. A man came in today inquiring whether he could buy your property. In amazement, I asked, 
How much did he offer to pay? It was a few dollars more than the amount of our mortgage. A person might say it was only a coincidence, but our mortgage was paid off. And our family still listens for any word in a prophet's message that might be sent to tell what we should do and to find the security and peace that God wants for us. I love that. Now, to make this even more powerful, let me share with you just a couple of observations of President Irene's message. One of the things he said is that President Benson was speaking in the conference, and it just says he mentioned mortgages on houses. Yes, mentioned was really all it was. It wasn't a lesson or an entire talk on that. And then another uh, point that Elder Irene made in this talk is that it was a, he said, he used the word mist, that the message was in the midst of this talk. Or in other words, yeah, it was just a little nugget. You know, it wasn't once again, a whole talk. So I was curious, I couldn't help myself. And I pulled this talk up and the talk was given by Ezra Taft Benson, President Benson, in the October of 1973 General Conference, that means President Irene would have been the president of Rick's College at the time. The title of the talk was called Prepare Ye. And all it said, it was that, let every head of every household see to it that he has on hand enough food and clothing and where possible fuel for at least a year ahead and let every head of every household aim to own his own home free from mortgage. Let every man who has a garden spot garden it, and every man who owns a farm to farm it. That was it. It was it was President Benson quoting J. Reuben Clark, but President Eyring was able with his family to lock onto that promise, those few short words in the midst of the talk, and it changed his life in such a great way. Now, just to remind us of some teachings on following our prophets. This is President John Taylor, that you cannot say that you submit to the law of God while you reject the word and counsel of his servants. And then George Albert Smith said that for when, a, for when God has a prophet on the earth and that prophet tells the people what to do and they neglect to do it, they must suffer for it. I bear witness before you this day in the name of the Lord God of Israel that no people can treat lightly the sayings of a prophet of God whom he places on the earth to direct his people and prosper. I know it is impossible. Boy, those are some great, great reminders of the the crucial nature of the words of our living prophets and the blessings that are sure to come if we follow, but also the hindrance and the lack of progression that will take place in our lives and the lack of blessings that will come in our lives if we reject the words of our prophets. Now, when it comes to studying our general conference talks, I want to share with you a pattern that I've seen over and over again. It's been taught by Elder Bednar and others, but I think it's something for us to pay attention to. Elder Bednar said that when you study these talks, or anything for that matter, the pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught, find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle, And then also recognize the promised blessings. Here's the pattern. Number one, so identify the doctrine or principle being taught. Number two, find the invitations to act related to that doctrine or principle. And three, recognize the promised blessings that will come if one acts in accordance with this invitation. 
You know, in my present calling as a state president, I find that pattern to be one that just comes out. It's not anything that I've ever really prepared for. But I know that, for example, in our state, we've talked a lot about the temple and and I will teach about the temple in the state conference, for example, and then offer invitations for our stake members to act and then promise blessings for those actions. And that to me is a powerful, powerful pattern that the Lord has revealed to us that can make all the difference in the world. And let's lock on to the promises that our prophets, seers, and revelators have shared with us. No question, those can bless our lives on this earth and in the world to come. Here's, here's, some, other, here's some other study skills just to mention when it comes to studying those general conference talks. Number one, identify doctrines and principles. Number two, identify scriptural interpretations or clarifications. I love it when our apostles expand on the scriptures and our living prophets. Number three, identify encouragements, invitations, or commandments. Number four, look for the promised blessings and what we must do to claim those blessings. I love that. Number five, identify repeated words or phrases. By the way, President Nelson's famous statement that we cannot survive spiritually unless we have the daily companionship of the Holy Ghost, that was repeated over and over in this general conference. Number six, we can identify lists. Number seven, we can look for cause and effect, what we call if and then type statements. If you will do this, you know, so if you will do this, your lives will blank, you know, that kind of promise. Pay attention to the words and phrases that introduce a specific point or conclusion. Ask questions, number nine. Number 10, write down the spiritual promptings that come to us. Number 10, look for the testimonies of the Lord's special witnesses. Number 11 or 12, 12, to memorize meaningful statements. Number 13, to study talks given on the same topic. Number 14, to make a library of your notes and the conference issues of the Liahona. And then number 15, to find a way to apply the very things that we're learning. Now, another, another story, another great reminder. A man came in to see me, President Harold, Lee, Harold B. Lee said, and said that he had heard that some man appeared mysteriously to a group of temple workers and told them you had better hurry up and store a year or two or three of food because there will come a season when there won't be any production. He asked me what I thought about that. And I said, well, were you in the April conference in 1936? Now, I know this is an old story, but I love the old ones. They're so good. He replied, no, I couldn't be there. I said, well, surely you then you read the report of what was said by the brethren in that conference. The man said, no, that he, he hadn't. Well, I said presently, at that conference, the Lord did give a revelation about the storage of food. But how in the world is the Lord going to get over to you what he wants you to do if you're not there when he says it? And you do not take the time to read the message after it's been said. And then this conclusion, we live in a challenging, changing world. The Lord is going to keep his people informed if they will listen. And as President J. Reuben Clark said in his classic talk, we do not need a prophet. We need a listening ear. Now I'm going to give you the full quote of what President Clark said. He said, we, we do not need more prophets. We have prophets. What we need is more people with listening ears. He said, that is the great need of our generation. 
And so once again, how do we follow prophets if we don't know what they're saying? How do we follow prophets if we're not in general conference and we're not listening? Here's George Q. Cannon. If we talk about the living oracles and want to pay respect to them, how shall we do this? Shall we do it by never reading their words, by paying no attention to that which they say? This is a very poor way of doing it. I love that he's a little bit sarcastic here. Brother Cannon then said, we ought to listen to their words, and when we cannot hear their words, we should read them. They are the words of the authorized servants of God. And then listen, listen to George Q. Cannon. I feel that there is a great neglect among us in this respect. That talk was given in the October General Conference of 1897, just 40 years after the saints arrived in the Salt Lake Valley. And when he says that there's a great neglect among us in terms of listening to, reading the messages, and following living prophets, 40 years after those people pulled handcarts and covered wagons across the plains, and 40 years later, he's saying, wow, I think we're neglecting listening to prophets. If that group of people can become somewhat apathetic to prophetic messages, then certainly in our day, we, could, we too could become apathetic and have to guard against that. You know, once in a general conference, President Marion G. Romney said that we have heard enough truth and direction in this conference to bring us into the presence of God if we would follow it. Well, I think that's probably true of every general conference. One of my favorite prophets ever was President Spencer W. Kimball. I joined the church in the early 1980s. President Kimball was the prophet. And of course, like with our prophet, President Nelson, there were many stories that were told in different places, magazines, books, firesides, devotionals about President Kimball. And I came to love this man. And one of the things I loved so much about him was his humility, just like many of you of my generation and older. Here's what he said at the end of one general conference. This has been a great conference, and as each one of these wonderful sermons has been rendered, I've listened with great attention, and I have made up my mind that I shall go home and be a greater man than I have been ever before. I have listened to all the instructions and the suggestions, and I am hoping that every person who has heard them has done likewise. We have heard many things, all in harmony with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Isn't that such a great prophet and a great message that we want to square the messages and the teachings from prophets, seers, and revelators with the Savior himself? Back to President Kimball. They have been beautifully given by men who are dedicated to the service of the Lord. I urge you to take much thought in your return home from this conference and think again of the things that have been brought to your attention. And so far as they approach your life in any way, see if you can use them to bring you back, all of us, towards the perfection of which the Lord has asked of us. And then he said this, President Kimball again, as you return to your wards and stakes and your missions and your individual homes around the world, I pray that our Heavenly Father will bless you and your families. Let the messages and the spirit of this conference radiate and find expression in all that you do henceforth in your homes, in your work, in your meetings, in all your comings and goings. Let us be better Latter-day Saints now than we've ever been. And that is the purpose of a general conference, is to be able to apply the teachings to improve ourselves and to become better. Now, one of my questions for you, for all of us, is what are we going to do 
to keep this general conference alive in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls? How do we keep it at the forefront of our hearts and minds for the next six months? The next general conference won't be until April 2024. I know that sounds crazy, but what will we do to keep these messages so close to us and try to live the very things that have been taught? Now, all of us have different ways of doing that. But I think the tools that we've been given today are just astounding. They're incredible. To be able to have general conference on our cell phones, on the Gospel Library app, on our iPads or tablets, on our computers, to be able to listen to conference messages as we drive in our cars, as we travel, as we sit in airports, as we exercise, as we do yard work or housework is one of the most incredible blessings of our day. And I know for myself, when these messages come out, usually three or four days after the general conference, it's a great time to start to read those messages online and then on our own tablets or on our phone. Eventually the magazine will come and we can study in greater depth as that happens, but also to listen for the next several months as we go about our day. And then I call that round one. And then round two for me personally starts again about March or late February as we start preparing for the next conference by reading and studying the words of this October conference again. A reminder that President Monson taught that as we read and study those messages in the Liahona, that additional knowledge, he says, we will be additionally taught and inspired, he said. In fact, he says, I have found in my own life that I gain even more from these inspired sermons as I study them in greater depth, he said. And President Nelson, in a talk that he gave, Let Us All Press On, in 2018, urged us to look for ways to incorporate these messages in family home evenings, in gospel teaching, in conversations with family and friends, in discussions with people not of our faith, and I have learned that even in my own personal ministry, that there's great, there are great applications that we can tap into as we serve in the church and strive to build the Lord's kingdom. President Hinckley taught that every general conference should help us to go forth with a stronger resolve to live the gospel, to be more faithful, to be better fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, and to be loyal to each other as families and loyal to each other as members of the church, he said. On another occasion, President Hinckley said this, we've all been edified. He's speaking at the end of General Conference. In fact, this may have been one of the first General Conferences in the Conference Center. We've all been edified. The test will come in the application of the teachings given. If hereafter, he said, we are a little more kind, if we are a little more neighborly, if we have drawn near to the Savior with a more firm resolution to follow his teachings and his example, then this conference will have been a wonderful success. But on the other hand, if there is no improvement in our lives, then those who have spoken well have in large measure failed. Now, those changes may not be measurable in a day or in a week or in a month. Resolutions are quickly made and quickly forgotten. But in a year from now, if we are doing better than we have done in the past, then the efforts of these days will have not been in vain. So I would invite everyone to think personally of what we can do once again to study these messages, to keep them alive, to share them with friends and family, 
Now, I'd like to conclude today with one great lesson for me anyway. Some of you may be aware, maybe not, of Dimmit Cunnington. In the early days of the church, he was a loyal and faithful friend of the prophet Joseph Smith. A few days after Joseph arrived in Missouri, Dimmick went to see the beloved prophet, Joseph, to whom he was devotedly attached. Joseph remarked to him in their conversation, Dimmick, there is a very important mission for you among the Indians. Dimmick soon went home and told his wife that Joseph had a mission for him among the Indians, and he wanted to be ready in the morning. So his poor wife was up most of the night mending and preparing his clothing for an absence of an indefinite period of time. The devoted followers of the prophet apparently had no limits to service nor bounds to possibilities. After breakfast, so the very next morning, Demick, with suitcase in hand, went to report to the prophet Joseph and said, Well, Brother Joseph, I am ready to go now. Now this caught Joseph a little bit off guard. Joseph said, Go where? To the Indians, was Demick's reply. Joseph smiled in a loving, dignified way, peculiar to himself, and remarked, You are not to go now, Dimmick, but after a while you will go and do a great work among the Lamanites. Don't you love the fact that Joseph just mentioned Dimmick Cunnington, that he would have a great mission to perform among the Indians, and Dimmick just assumed that meant tomorrow or the very next day? And Joseph had to let Dimmick know that, No, I didn't mean, I didn't mean tomorrow, I meant, you know, someday down the line. I love this. And by the way, this is, I'm quoting from Mark McConkie's book, Remembering Joseph, Personal Recollections of Those Who Knew the Prophet Joseph Smith. To go or to not go made no difference to Demick, so long as he yielded obedience to the prophet's call. Now, the story goes on to say that when the saints finally arrived in the Salt Lake Valley, and this may have been 10 years, or at least seven or eight years after Joseph and Demick had that conversation, then Demick really was able to engage in that mission. He was the first man who learned to talk with the Indians, uh, the first man among them, uh, the, the Ute Indians. And they even gave him a special name, which meant good talk. Or in other words, he spoke the language well. And we could understand him. His mission was fulfilled. Joseph Smith is a prophet. Uh, that very thing that he promised him exactly happened. But I love, once again, the exactness and the obedience of one Demick Cunnington, who when a prophet spoke, he was ready to act. And, and did, that did not have to take long. He was ready to act immediately. There are great blessings for all of us if we will identify those two or three things, maybe four, maybe five, it depends on the person, maybe just one. But those things that you felt you heard prophets, seers, and revelators ask us to do over this general conference weekend. And I know that there are great blessings in store for every one of us who will apply those teachings and principles, try to live them, ask for the Lord's help, and let him pour out his blessings upon us. Well, thank you for being with us today and reviewing this last general conference. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next time.